Georgia, thank you so much uh, uh, for that reading. I can't say how great it is to be here this evening and uh, look at your, yeah, they're beautiful faces tonight. Well done. And uh, just uh, uh, thank you so much for coming uh, to support uh, this new community, uh, which is starting a community of mission, a community which wants to reach out with God's uh, love and a community which so much wants to see the transformation of Edinburgh, probably the whole world actually, but we'll, we'll start with just Edinburgh. And uh, that, that's great. So thank you for being here. This is just the start of things. This is just the start. So, well, it's not the start. The 4th of June is, is actually the real start. But this is just the start of things. And it feels sort of quite severe, doesn't it? Just coming and thinking, oh, we're going to start it. And there's a cut-off point and everything. What I want to just encourage is some, some of you might be absolutely certain you're coming across to Mustard Seed. I think that is brilliant and I love you for it and uh, welcome. Some of you who I equally love are thinking, I'm not quite sure and I'm not sure if it's P's and G's or here or some other church here. And that's absolutely fine. We're just at the beginning. We're just working it out. And for some of us, we just need to feel our way in or for some of us, we might need to feel our way out. And I just wanted to say that really as we start off that this is sort of, let's, let's sort of get used to this. Let's, let's work it out because it feels as though it's come, it's here, but also it feels as though there's lots to work out as well. So just, just keep us deeply in your prayers, and I'll be thinking and praying for everyone who's just working this out. And remember, if you want to take me out for coffee and to talk about it more, that's brilliant. If it's a beer, well, I'll love you even more, so that would be uh, fan- fantastic. But it feels a really significant time this evening, so thanks, Dave. Thanks, everyone, for being here. Thanks, Bishop John. Uh, thanks, Dean Francis, uh, for being here. Thanks for making me legit. I really appreciate that. And uh, I've just signed forms. I'm really legit. I've sworn promises. I never thought I'd have to make, but I've sworn them uh, today. So that's uh, really great. Can we just pray? Uh, that would be great. Father, you are a loving God. You're here with us through your Holy Spirit now. And that is very significant and wonderful that you're looking at us and your look towards us is one of love and acceptance. And in that warmth, Lord, of your acceptance, we look at your word tonight and we pray that it would speak to us, that it would help us. Lord, would your Holy Spirit just be uh, working in our thoughts, in our imaginations, in our hopes and dreams. And as we think on you tonight, Would you please speak? We don't want to be the same people now as we were when we came in. We want to know something new of you. Be excited in a fresh way. Understand your love more dynamically in us. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your love. In Jesus' name, amen. Just so those of you who are visiting tonight, not uh, uh, normally here, we're going through uh, a sermon series called Spirit tonight, and this is, we're on the way to Pentecost, it feels to me. So I'm getting really excited about the, the journey to Pentecost, where we really do celebrate the Holy Spirit is with us. I think I'm being prepared and more expectant than I have been for many years. So this is why we have this reading. It was about six years ago, not quite the night, we're about two weeks off. I think it was the first Sunday in June, wasn't it, that you, you did me last time. Um, I was standing and I was being licensed, not by uh, Bishop John, uh, but by Bishop Brian. I assume you were here, Bishop 
John, in, and you, you read to me the charges which Francis is at. Yeah, yeah, so that's wonderful. So Bishop John was here, but he was Dean John then. But I, I was being licensed by Bishop Brian as Associate Rector of P's and G's, and it was a lovely service. And I wasn't on my own, that was the nice bit, because I had Vanessa with me and Dean Norby, and they were licensed alongside me. Uh, and it made the nervousness, because these occasions are a wee bit nervous, uh, made the nervousness of that occasion a little bit easier. Now, if you'd have told me six years later that I'd be standing here uh, getting ready to be licensed as a pioneer priest for Mustard Seed Edinburgh, I would have said, I don't believe you. That is impossible. I am not called to do anything like that. I'd have said, probably you're deluded. Actually, I know some of you are, but I would have said that to you. I'm normally polite about it. I'd have said, it really doesn't feel right. That doesn't sound like my uh, trajectory. Why on earth would I want to be a pioneer priest? I'd never even heard of it back then, but I wouldn't have wanted to have been it. I'm not cut out for that, I'd have said. That sounds complicated. No way, Jose, or as Dave would say, Jose. Uh, you have to support Man United to understand that. <laughs> yeah, here I am, standing here. Things have changed. I've moved. My thinking is different. Mustard seed, Edinburgh, is in the air. So this time I'm standing in front of Bishop John. So watch yourself, Dean Francis. You're on the way. And uh, my nerves are being held together, not by Dean and Vanessa, but by all of you here, my church family, my own family, this new community which is about to be uh, formed, old friends standing alongside me, and it feels very right and very exciting, but I must admit I do feel scared too, like I did six years ago, because I always find change scary. I start thinking, why change? when it makes life a little bit more uncertain? Why move from something certain to something that has no guarantees at all? After 18 months, we might have run out of money and I'll be on the streets and it'd be terrible. Why move from something beautifully resourced to something that needs a huge amount of time and energy to build up and to form and to get going? I was reading uh, this week, nothing stays the same. The art of life is to be ready to change, to move on, not to cling to the past, but face the future. Someone sent me a message uh, recently, which simply ended, carpe diem, seize the day. And very helpfully, it reminded me that my timidity, uh, in my timidity, uh, about what lies ahead, in the uncertainty of what could and couldn't be, sometimes you just have to go for it. You have to stretch out into the opportunities, just as Peter did uh, when, he had, when he decided to get out of the boat and found himself walking on water. You sometimes have to get out of your comfort zones in order to land in the place where God needs you to be. Or more importantly, you have to get out of your comfortable places in order to discover what real faith and real trust in God is. It's always easier to do nothing, but sometimes you just have to do something. And this something has been building up in me for the past couple of years. Five years ago, this something would have seemed impossible for me. As I said, I'd have never done it. But now, after being part particularly of the soul food community, after recognizing that God has planted a passion in me that is about justice, love, prayer, and kindness, this 
Something is what has to be done. There's a call, a still, quiet voice, and whilst I'd rather wrap myself up in my wonderful warm duvet and enjoy the comfort of my bed and just doze away, the call has turned into an incredibly annoying alarm clock which is saying, get up and get on with it. So here I am, bleary-eyed, just getting out of bed, stumbling around the bedroom, trying to get dressed so I can get on with it. Life isn't going to be the same, and whilst that's a scary thought, it is really exciting too. And really, Paul, in this passage we've got this evening, is telling that early church he is writing to, based in that great town of Corinth, simply to get on with it. He's saying, embrace change. Don't go backwards, go forwards. Don't hold on to the old. Go for what is new. He's saying, embrace your new calling and the hope that that brings. You see, Paul knew it was often easier to stay the same. For the Jewish Christians in Corinth, it would have been tempting to stay with what they knew of God. And what they knew of God was pretty good, in fact. As Paul put it, it came with glory. He reminded them of Moses shining so brightly with the glory of God after meeting with God on the mountain in Exodus chapter 34 and getting those Ten Commandments, which are still very famous today. He reminded them that when Moses came down the mountain, his face shone so brightly, no one could look at him unless Moses wore a veil. God's glory shone so completely and so beautifully, but it was too much. It had to be hidden behind the veil. And for Paul, this, though, is the old way of life. That's the comfortable way of life. God is somehow present, but God is also hidden. Moses' hoodie made it less bright and less visible, but it was worse than that, as just a dim view of God was now on view. While Moses was on the mountain, getting up the commandments up there, which were going to set the people free, the people decided that it was all a bit too much for for them waiting for Moses and these commandments. And so they started to worship a golden calf instead of Yahweh. So the first thing which happened when Moses came down the mountain, bright, shining like the sun, was actually they were condemned by what Moses had brought down the mountain. The worship of the calf meant straight away they had failed. And rather than being set free by the law of God, they were condemned, dimming God, dimming hope dimming the glory. And while for Paul these commandments of Moses were so important, glorious, he calls them, there is more, much, much more for him. The story had moved on for Paul. No longer was it about glorious condemnation, but glorious righteousness. The Jewish Paul had discovered a new way. No longer was it about death, but life, fear, but life. No longer rejection, but acceptance. The past was good, but the future is going to be so much better. And Paul was inviting the people of Corinth into this future. For Paul, there is now a new covenant, a more releasing and freeing covenant than that covenant of Moses. The covenant of God had made in Jesus is much more glorious. And rather than being written on tablets of stone, It's written on our hearts and sealed by the Holy Spirit. God's glory shines into our hearts. It's a glory which that lasts. 
It's not external and out there, but internal. It's not temporary, but it's completely sure. It's not dull and hidden away. It is bright and clear. It lives in the lives of those who follow Jesus. And our lives shine out the glorious and transforming light of God. The old has gone and the new has come. Now for Paul, that will take us out of our comfort zones. Those old places where we can be sure, that old way of life, which we know to be all right if we stick to the rules. This is now dull. It's not the full picture. There is more. Jesus told his followers to shine, to be lights on a hill. And there is nothing dull about following Jesus. He has sent the Holy Spirit in order to help us to shine, to give us energy to enter into this new life of glory, this new life of hope. There is no comparison for Paul. This new life, the life of the Spirit, is glorious. And this new life is the life which sets us free. So no matter what we're doing or where we've come from this evening, if we're here visiting and supporting from other churches, if we're the P's and G's faithful and you're wonderful, if we're moving on with Mustard Seed Edinburgh, there is a call for us all to embrace the new and not to go back to the old. Together we shine out the new, we shine out the hope that Jesus brings. We point to the glory which lasts forever. We embrace the ministry of the Holy Spirit working in our lives, making us righteous and enabling us to have a relationship with God. That is the most wonderful and freeing thing. Let's not go back to the old ways. Let's not hide, but let's encourage each other not to be comfortable and not to stick to the humdrum of everyday lives. But together, let us all shine out. Let us all be glorious for God. Let's shine out hope, shine out God, and shine out glory. The thing is, that's so hard to do. Because we're living in a time where it's easier, if you like, to put a veil over our heads like Moses and to just shine out dully. Those of us who are in church leadership, and there's a few of us here tonight, only know too well that the statistics are against us. Churches seem to be declining. Congregations seem to be get, getting smaller. In fact, our church stats make the Labour Party look rather good. Paul, <laughs> Paul in the second part of the passage, encourages the church to be confident. Be bold, he says. It's hard to be confident when everything about us seems to encourage people to stop chasing God, when people say there is no God, when the argument of science seems to suggest that God is disproved, where the blind pursuit of materialism means that we have so much sad stuff in our lives tied up, we can't see God. But Paul is saying into all of this, he's saying, have confidence. Paul is saying, have hope. Paul is saying, shine out. Paul is encouraging faith. So it might look bleak all about us. Some people might be on a different course to us, but don't let their stories interfere with our calling and our vocation. It often would be easier to give up or to be quiet. But where we are at the moment is not the end of the story. 
In the middle of the 20th century, after destroying all the Christian uh, seminary libraries in the country, Chairman Mao declared that Christianity has been permanently removed from China, never to make a return. On Easter Sunday in 2009, the leading English newspaper in Hong Kong published a picture of Tiananmen Square on page one, with Jesus replacing Chairman Mao's picture on a gigantic banner, and the words, Christ is risen, below it. This is the dynamic God moving, and it happens when we don't give up despite the evidence. God is there, always bringing hope. So things might seem hard and difficult. The stats might be against us, but hope is what we have. A mustard seed is about embracing this hope, the hope that God is still alive, that Jesus is still in the business of hope and transformation for broken and vulnerable lives, the hope that the kingdom of God is still present, inviting us to join in with the work of God. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to join in. We're going to listen. We're going to engage. We're going to worship. We're going to look, walk alongside. And our calling seems to be especially towards those who are homeless, the marginalized, and the most vulnerable. But watch this space. We do it with open hearts, not knowing everything, but hoping everything. We do it knowing that there are churches and people around us already on Easter Road and all that part of Leaf who are already doing it. They're miles ahead of us. We're doing it simply by walking with other partners, other churches and other charities and other people who are already living out that hope there in Easter Road. That's extremely humbling, yet also exciting. God is ahead of us. I must admit, knowing that others are already there has made things a little bit easier. But doing this kingdom of God activity is great, though. It can still be a bit scary. On the old maps, back before the world was properly understood in modern terms, uh, cartographers, that's map makers, would put down what they knew uh, so they draw it very carefully, what the bits of the world they knew. But at the edges of the map, beyond that which they had no knowledge or understanding, they would often write, beyond here, there be dragons. I like that. Now, we don't know what our dragons are yet, as mustard seed, but I know time and time again, and this passage reminds us, that in Christ we can be confident. It might not be easy, things could go wrong, I'm sure they will go wrong. It might take a while. There'll be many a blind alley and some red herrings. And I dare say, a few times, we might find there are dragons. A few times in our worship over the last few months here at P's and G's, words of knowledge have been shared. And one of the particular words of knowledge which we've had a few times is the word to have courage. God is calling us to have courage. I think that's actually a word beyond P's and G's, I think it's a word for the church in Scotland at the moment, that we have courage. God wants his church to have courage. And just as well, all uh, at P's and G's are being challenged to have courage. I think it's too exactly how mustard seed needs to be as it seeks to work and pioneer. I think courage is our word. Paul calls it confidence and boldness. All of us, let's have courage. 
God wants us to have courage and not to sort of feel we're no good. He wants us to have courage to live out the way Paul describes here, shining out with the love of God rather than hiding it behind the veil. Oh, it's so tempting to hide behind the veil. Most people are going to prefer the veil, but our calling is to be free from it and remove whatever veils we choose to wear that stop us being the people that God is calling us to be. Now, all of this sounds great and important. Uh, we go for it, we shine out, we throw away our veils, we embrace that courage. It's all really good stuff. It's motivating. It feels as though uh, we'll get there with that kind of stuff. But one thing is for certain, we can't do this on our own, even if all of us decided to shine out with God. The only way we get there is recognising that actually this is a work of the Holy Spirit alongside us and within us. God's gift to us so we can shine, so we can point people to Jesus, so that we continue with this work of Jesus, which is about hope, life, healing, transformation, forgiveness, acceptance, joy, peace, and a future. It is the Holy Spirit working in us, transforming us, so we can shine out, as God says in verses 17 and verse 18 of our passage. Sometimes it can feel as though we're on our own as we follow God and try and witness for him and share what Jesus means to us. But the truth is, God, through his Holy Spirit, is with us, helping us to do this. We are not on our own. And one of the joys of mustard seed uh, for me is that it's not just about Jenny and I doing this, but it's about all the rest of us starting off this adventure, the community together. It's not just ever about one person, it's about everyone. It's about the whole of this new community. It's so helpful and encouraging knowing you're not on your own, but other people are in it with you. It's an everyone situation. It's not just me carrying the story, but it's all. But it's far more dynamic than that. As we move forward in this, we do so with the Holy Spirit as our guide, as our hope giver, as our encourager, as the one who encourages us to shine out the kingdom. I was fortunate enough to be on an interview panel recently. It's really good being on interview panels because you learn really good answers. And uh, somebody uh, really spoke very uh, helpfully on that panel when they said, my husband knows he has to do two things in his Christian faith. The first thing he knows is he has to share his faith, i.e. he has to be an evangelist somehow. And the second thing he knows is that he somehow needs to work out how to serve and walk alongside the poor. And my husband tells me that these are both very hard things to do. But she said, but what happens if my husband got a friend to help him to do that, to help him to share his faith and help him uh, to walk alongside uh, the poor. She goes, I'm sure he will find it easier if he has somebody else going out with him or doing this uh, kind of thing with him. At Mustard Seed, individually, we will never do it. It's hard to shine on your own, but together we might just be able to share our faiths and hopes, because we will encourage each other to do that, do that. But even more, as we do it with other Christians, churches and charities, like the generous people at St. Margaret's, who very kindly have allowed us to join in with them, we will do it, all of us, with the Holy Spirit alongside us. 
And uh, you know something? If we do it together, something amazing might just happen. We are not on our own as we face this journey. God is with us. Our job, just as it is here at P's and G's and all the other churches represented here, is to simply let our God take center stage. In other words, let the Holy Spirit shine through us and see what adventure we end up on. So I'm still scared. I'm wondering how this is all going to work out. But I know we are carrying with us the most compelling story of the love of God and the transformation that Jesus always brings and the hope of the Spirit who gives the energy to make all of this happen. So thanks to P's and G's and everyone here for letting us go. It feels a really big thing to be let go by P's and G's. It's a significant thing, and I'm glad we're doing it in partnership with P's and G's. Thanks for making it possible. Don't just let us go, though. Don't just give us the money. Please do pray for us and support us and be there for us if ever we need you. Thanks, too, to the bishop and the whole of the diocese for taking a risk. This is a new thing. Thanks for taking a risk. And again, can I ask you to pray for us? And the final thing I just want us to say today for all of us here, all of us could be tempted to put a veil back on after we leave church tonight. But let's not hide God under a veil. Let's be encouraged now to live life in the power of the transforming Holy Spirit who's with us now, just breathing quietly in our hearts and alongside us. Let's be encouraged by this transforming Holy Spirit just to shine out with the love of God. And let's pray that as we shine, the world would be transformed and would come to know Jesus' love in a deeper way. God bless you all.